you have to listen and you have to listen to the people that matter. Yes, listen internally, give them a voice. But when I came into Ernix, I spoke with everybody. I always do my road show and the tour, listening tour, finding out what the pain points are, where people think our strengths are, but immediately started targeting the market itself. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Leomitech, sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Upwest Labs, Synergy Global, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, Birthright Excel, Serona Partners, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Meet David Howland, the CMO of Ernix. As CMO of Ernix, David is responsible for extending awareness and adoption of Ernix's compelling value proposition into new and existing markets while promoting the success of its customers. Before joining Ernix, David served as CMO for QuestBack followed by Longview Solutions, helping each SaaS company scale by transforming their brand, marketing, and go-to-market strategies. Previously, David led the global brand and digital marketing for NASDAQ, helping drive its growth and transition from a traditional financial services company into a fintech pioneer. David Howland, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing well. Appreciate the opportunity to chat. I'm really, really excited to have you here. Chief Marketing Officer of Ernix, also running the global brand of NASDAQ. All of us know what NASDAQ is today, uh, but I wonder what it was like and what that experience was, you know, thinking strategically through creating this global brand in the financial markets. Uh, and so we're going to have a really fun conversation. Thank you so much for coming. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what is it like being a Chief Marketing Officer sort of as a career trajectory? So um, interesting. I'll start with that last question in terms of what it was. What's it like as a career trajectory? So it certainly makes sense in retrospect. But um, I started out as a cabinet maker in Seattle in the early '90s when Nirvana hit. So <laughs> I had no intention of going into marketing, no intention of doing anything with technology, you know, SaaS or anything like that. I was really more interested in creative endeavors and compelling experiences. And that led to you know, a, a gig in an art museum uh, as an assistant curator, ended up going more the design route because I was fascinated with always with creating, whether it's something physical like furniture, sculpture, um, and then into something that's more digital in terms of desktop publishing and design. And naturally things just evolved towards doing more brand work, more creative work aligned. And it was really at NASDAQ where I had that opportunity to step in and not just you know, run a brand, I'd done that before, but to really cut my teeth in terms of doing something that's very diverse, complex, something that has tremendous impact. Earlier in my career, I used to say I'd spend four hours designing something that four people saw. And then I got to, wow. uh, to NASDAQ where we do things in a very agile fashion that influenced the global markets. You, you wake up in the morning and you have that responsibility and you're looking at all these different brands and you have to understand how are you putting these together into a coherent story? How do you go about your work with that challenge? Well, first and foremost, one has to recognize that what you think the day is going to hold is not mm. how the day actually plays out. 
So you have to approach each and every day, each and every opportunity as something that is um, ultimately it's fungible. It's going to change. You're going to have to respond in the moment. There are always surprises. Doesn't matter how packed your meeting schedule is. There's always new things that come each and every day um, throughout. And, And what I like to focus on is a way of centering the thinking, how you bring complexity to simplicity, which is ultimately what we need to do is to think about the market, think about the customer. If you're always focused on the value, the impact, the need, the pain points for the customer and your target, then everything coalesces. That's the common theme, and it is a tremendously effective organizing principle. Now, as an organization and as a brand that you're creating, you know, you need to align people on a vision. You need to align people on a story, something that they can fall in love with and relate to. This is a different story here, right? I mean, here you're aligning people on different stories under one umbrella. Was that different culturally or a different challenge, you think, than what a traditional CMO has to go through? I think when you're a CMO of a fast-growing B2B SaaS company, it's actually a little bit easier, to be honest. I think for a traditional CMO of established company and established brand, it's a large ship that you're going to be moving incrementally. But you know, we have an opportunity today to essentially completely revolutionize the markets that we're focusing on. And one of my primary responsibilities is to be that chief evangelist officer who is constantly exciting my colleagues, constantly bringing new ideas, constantly providing the support and the energy behind making a difference and trying new things, not to fail fast and fail forward, (laughs) but to make a concerted effort to fundamentally change the dynamic of where you're playing and to do so in a smart way, building upon your experience, the experience of your colleagues. We don't have time to fail. I don't believe in that. We have opportunities to course correct to make very, very strategic bets based on on our experience and always be able to be agile in the moment and make changes accordingly. I love it. I, I love the I love the you know the the intensity, the internationality, uh, but also you know the the excitement with which you with like I can hear how how fun that experience was for you. What what is you know perhaps one of the most exciting pieces of that whole journey? Uh, and let's include in that also Quest back and the other uh, positions that you've held in different organizations up until you know your current role at Ernix. What was the most exciting piece of your journey so far? Well, I, I think it's 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 discovery is ultimately uh, the most exciting piece and part of what I do. There is always something to learn. There's always a corner to peer around. There's always something new to become an expert at. Many years ago, when I was a creative director, I became an expert at uh, U.S. Postal Service mailing labels. You know, very random thing. You know, QR codes. Very random thing to become an expert at because that is what was required in that moment in time. And it was fascinating. Now, do I know anything about it now? Of course not, you know, left it behind. But there's always something new to discover. And if we think about each day and each initiative as an opportunity for us ultimately to grow and through that growth to be better at what we're going to try and accomplish tomorrow, it's a mindset. And it's something of you know, continual discovery, continual improvement, embracing the new, embracing that um, we all have blind spots. Everybody has them. 
let's recognize that, let's address it, and uh, and move forward, honestly, aggressively to to try and identify it. So what I'm hearing you is that part of the excitement of the journey is the discovery of, of entering these different organizations, diving deep into them, no matter what they do, becoming sort of an, an expert and, in, 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 you know, owning the story of what you're building and so that you can tell that story and, and figure out how to best, you know, position it. And that discovery, that maneuvering between different, different things is something that uh, was really exciting for you, right? Absolutely. Everyone is trying to have impact, right? And if we can tap into our colleagues, their ability to have impact, our teams, I like to focus on supporting my team so that they know that they can take risks, that ultimately we have to take risks. We have to always be reaching, define goals that are a stretch, take risks in getting there, be smart about it, but also our prospects and our customers. They have a desire to make impact, to be a hero. How do you create the dynamics so that your prospect and your customer is the champion within their world? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, fast forward to Ernix. You, you've done, you've held quite a few marketing officer positions until then, but Today you're at Ernex. What what is the current challenge that you took upon yourself? You're mentioning the excitement of the discovery. What what are you discovering today with Ernix? So Ernix is is just it's a for me it's it feels like a once in a lifetime opportunity. We have a company that is growing exceptionally well, exceptionally fast, uh, without the benefit previously of of a best in class marketing approach. And that's simply because the dynamic before was a few really talented salespeople uh, and leaders were able to move the company forward. Now to scale, I'm building an entirely new marketing organization. And in doing so, aligning with the market, aligning with the company, our goals and the impact that we fully believe that we have through our potential. But what I love most about it is that it's a, it's a consolidated, uh, a shared vision of our impact in the market. We essentially are a horizontal SaaS offering. You have a digital product, you have to create a price, you want to implement that, your strategy end-to-end through a single platform, we can handle that. We just happen to focus on insurance and banking. And what I like to say is insurance and banking may not sound sexy, but believe me, the way that we serve these (laughs) industries absolutely is. And these are industries that are part of every single person's lives. If you go back 10 plus 12 years, we're talking about you know Occupy Wall Street and a whole different time where insurers and banks were not seen as constructive part of society. Well, these industries listened and they learned. And they've understood that not only have we had insurance and banking for thousands of years in some form or another, but what the industries have learned is that it's by serving their end customers with a individualized product with a price that aligns to their needs, not some cookie cutter approach in terms of the overall offering, that their customers are going to be happy. They're going to retain those customers for long-term value. And ultimately, Ernix is responsible for driving this. They can't do this without us. So there's a revolution that's taking place. Literally, it is a revolution. And our software and our capabilities, our expertise is at the leading edge of driving this. And that is just tremendously exciting. 
take me back, you know, and or actually high, 30,000 feet. What's what's the pain point here? You know, what is the struggle, especially if we're looking at banking and insurance, digital pricing for digital products? What is the you know, what is the struggle that we've come to, you know, in in the in the early 2020s that that is giving Ernix a position to grow here? If I were to simplify it, I would say it's um, data and continuous change. Think about the data that we interact with on a regular basis. Um, think about the just tremendous volume um, and the endless data sources that we can pull in to the decisioning process. And then think about continuous change from one moment to the next. Our needs change, our perspectives change season to season, pre-pandemic, pandemic, post-pandemic. You know, everything about us is in constant flux. So how as an institution, uh, how do you take just incredible volumes and disparate da- of disparate data and how do you pull that together? And how do you identify a moving target, a moving uh, and an environment, a market that is, is continuously changing? How do you make the right decisions at every point in time? How do you make sure that you are aligned with the market? How do you make sure that you're aligned with your business strategy? And essentially, from a very high level, what we're able to do through, of course, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and automation, and all of the depth of expertise that we've provided is to be able to provide literally not just real-time, but when I say real-time, I'm talking about decisions that are made with enormous sets of inputs in milliseconds. Incredible. So you're joining Ernix a year and a half ago as Chief Marketing Officer. Walk me through a little bit, you know, what's going on inside your head as you're figuring out the right story to be told. And, you know, when you say it like this, it, it makes so much sense and, you know, immediately convinced. But I'm sure that, you know, this, the, the, the real conviction that you're bringing with you here and the, the way that you're positioning it, you know, it takes time to evolve, right? So what is sort of the process and the journey that you go through as chief marketing officer with, with your organization to align everybody on what you just shared with me? Well, I'll go back first to an experience that I had uh, years ago at NASDAQ. So major global player. While I was there, we transitioned the company. And I say we, I mean, it was the the CEO led this. I was certainly a small part of it. But we transitioned the company from a traditional exchange business where the majority of your revenue is coming through transactions and, you know, data and a few things, right? Indexes, just a few things like that. But it's 80% of your business is transactional, meaning you don't control it. Markets go up, go down, volume goes up, goes down. And while I was there, CEO led an effort to flip the switch so that Mm -hmm. it became 70% subscription-based. He added a whole SaaS component to the company. We became a market technology provider whereby exchanges and brokerage houses globally were running on the same technology that NASDAQ was running, just white-labeled and resold, and really created a very different dynamic. And as part of that, grew the company by you know, literally a tremendous amount while I was there. It was, a, it was a great journey. So in the latter part of my journey, we executed a full rebrand of NASDAQ, first rebrand in the company's history, repositioning of it, everything about it, we changed. And, uh, and what really spurred that on is we had done a survey, a a comprehensive study of our customers. And we thought we knew who NASDAQ was, and we thought we understood the value. 
that we provided to the market. And we couldn't have been more incorrect. We were way wow. off base. And oh, incredible. Ultimately, we hadn't been listening to the market and to our customers in favor of, of a very inward thinking narrative. And this is what a lot of companies struggle with, whether they realize it or not. And it's not that we weren't successful. It's that our focus was um, undermining the overall potential of the company and, and the breadth of, of the vision of where the company could go. So that experience taught me that you have to listen and you have to listen to the people that matter. Yes, listen internally, give them a voice. But when I came into Ernix, I spoke with everybody. I always do my road show and the tour, listening tour, finding out what the pain points are, where people think our strengths are, but immediately started targeting the market itself customers, prospects, analysts, media, competitors, finding out exactly their perspective outside in and trying to think about how that reflects to what we're trying to accomplish. And it's a very difficult thing to do, but it's it's absolutely critical. And, and it's an exciting journey. And ultimately, it comes down to you know, some of the lessons I learned in joining Ernix is you can talk about feeds and speeds. We're fast. <laughs> we're faster than the other guy. Well, then the other guy says, no, we're faster. I mean, it's it, when you play with feeds and speeds, you're not talking about value. So how do you raise that up? And, and the real challenge is how do you accomplish something that is truly iconic? You know, many years ago, Salesforce came forward and said, death to spreadsheets. It's a pretty bold thing to say. We still have Excel, but Salesforce is a pretty big organization. Yeah. Incredible. David, were you always passionate about this? About marketing and, and understanding the true value you do? Uh, very passionate about the things I do, yes. Uh, I've always really focused on, I mentioned earlier, compelling experiences. So building that perfect piece of furniture. Uh, when I was in New York City as an assistant curator, creating these environments and these experiences that truly inspired people. You know, I didn't make it as a cabinet maker in part because I wasn't aspiring to a lifetime as a cabinet maker. Part of me wishes I had. Uh, but one of the reasons I didn't actually uh, stay with it, and I probably wouldn't have been successful. And the reason I wouldn't have been successful is I was the person who spent time making sure the bottom side of the drawer was perfect. Well, no one looks at the bottom of the drawer, the underside of the drawer. And when you're building a piece of furniture for a commercial business, margins are important. And no one who's running a cabinet shop wants their team to be spending hours on the underside of something that no one's going to see. But for me, it's very much about what's that moment in time, that one moment in time where someone drops something, they go to pick it up, they see the underside, and it needs to be right. So I've always thought about things as a comprehensive, holistic approach. And um, it's important for us to remember that what we perceive is not necessarily the reality of how it's going to play out. And so we have to try and see around the corners. We have to try to anticipate how someone's going to interact. And we always have to question, are we communicating what we think we're saying? Are we inspiring people in the way we're trying to inspire them? Without that feedback, without that that understanding that to be inspired, you have to try and inspire. 
but it's through clear and concise communication. It's all packaged up together. And, and actually, I love this stuff. So it's easy for me to be energetic about it. 